Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 682 of the Juicebox Podcast. I think we can all agree that there's never a great time to be diagnosed with diabetes, but one month before the Olympic trials, that's really bad timing. And that's exactly what happened to today's guest, Charlotte Drury. I know you think I'm going to have her on here and talk about all of her Olympic hopes and trampoline and everything, and sure, we'll get to all of that, but I actually invited Charlotte on because of something I saw her going through on Instagram. While you're listening today, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. Hey, if you're a U.S. resident, Charlotte, the Olympics, U.S., you know, U.S., if you're a U.S. resident who has type 1 diabetes or is the caregiver of someone with type 1, please go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box right now and take the survey. When you do, you'll be helping people with type 1 diabetes and supporting the Juice Box podcast. I have to tell you, I thought Charlotte and I got along famously. I, I actually think we're friends now. This episode of the Juice Box podcast is sponsored by Dexcom, makers of the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitoring system. Go right now to Dexcom.com forward slash juice box to learn more or even to get started. The podcast is also sponsored by Omnipod, makers of the Omnipod Dash and the Omnipod 5. You may be eligible for a free 30-day supply of the Omnipod Dash, and you can find that out at Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. There are links to the sponsors in the show notes of your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com. I am Charlotte. I obviously have type 1 diabetes, and I'm here today to just chit the chat. Cool. Well, it's not that <laughs> obvious. I talk to a lot of people who don't have diabetes, they end up being caregivers, but I take your point. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you about how I spent the five minutes before you came on. I'm Your name breaks my brain the way Charlotte is spelled, spelled. versus I agree. how I hear it in my head. And I'd never considered it before sitting down. I was like, her name is Charlotte. Charlotte. And then I got lost. You and every Starbucks barista has had that exact same revelation. Well, then I got lost <laughs> in it. And then I was looking at your last name and I'm like, oh my God, our last name's weird too. Equally difficult. And so now I'm just sitting here staring at the screen going, Charlotte, Drury, Drury, Charlotte. And I was like, oh my God. God, I'm like, I, I. It sounds like if you put my name into Google Translate and you got like the exact pronunciation of each phonetic letter. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. Because when I think of it, your name's Charlotte. And mm -hmm. I don't consider how Drury is, is spelled. And then the more I said Drury, I started saying it wrong. And then I freaked myself out and I stopped thinking about it. So, and then the entire word itself lost its meaning. And then you questioned the meaning of life. And, and yeah, I, I swear it. to you, I fell down that sort of like bizarre psychedelic <laughs> rabbit hole. I was like, her name doesn't make sense. Um, but anyway. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. I agree. Marry a guy named Smith one day or something. I think you could really Smith. Yeah, straighten this whole problem out. Uh, Perfect. How old are you, uh, Charlotte? I am 25, but I'll be 26 in two weeks. Ooh, happy birthday. 
Thanks. I'm gonna, you're going to see me writing. I don't usually do video with most people. So now Charlotte's watching me make the podcast and I'm suddenly aware of myself. Uh, I'm making him very nervous. And I, in fact, I actually brought a magnifying glass. So I will be holding that up the whole time. I know you guys are listening. You can't tell, but I'm just, don't worry. I, I'm have, just, I have this unlocked. I'm just thrilled you don't know where my hairline used to be. You know what I mean? <laughs> you have nothing to, you have no perspective. Um, so you're 26. How old were you? 26 in two weeks. How old were you when you were diagnosed? I was 24, but it was about almost exactly a year ago. Okay. So you've only had diabetes for about a year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Diagnosed. All right. Interesting. So when you first started thinking something was wrong, what were your symptoms? Um, well, I've been an athlete my whole life, and I was just kind of used to this certain level of performance. And over like the last or not the last year, I guess, starting two years ago, I kind of started noticing a decline in training and it was just so sudden and really hard to keep up and, you know, chalked it up to the pandemic and just stress in general. And then after about a year of that, um, noticing that I just felt couch lock, fatigue, moody, unhappy. Um, I didn't notice the like dry mouth having to go to the bathroom all the time mm -hmm. until looking back on it. Cause I just assumed that I was working out so much that I was really dehydrated. <laughs> um, but yeah, those were really my main symptoms and it was really just falling behind in sport. Okay. Um, hmm. And I guess when you perform at a higher level, was it obvious sooner than you think if it was just you like, you know, not able to walk your 30 minutes on the treadmill, like after work, like most of us attempt to do, or, you know, I, I do. And I don't, I think it's kind of a double-edged sword of because I was working out so much and performing at such a high level, my body kind of kept this level of fitness throughout the physical decline that diabetes mm -hmm. was get or untreated diabetes was causing. And then the other side of that is that I think I might've not noticed at all or notice the physical decline if I wasn't trying to push myself so hard. Okay. So it was like, maybe I just was able to push myself harder for longer. <laughs> right. So you think your body was at a level where even though the decline was significant, you were able to kind of power past it. Yeah, and definitely. Then, and then the and that's the mentality point. of elite sport. I think it's like, Oh, you don't feel good. Try harder. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know my, my son once uh, he plays baseball in college. He once twisted his ankle. It was purple and twice the size it should be. And he says to me, I think if I wrap this, I can play. <laughs> oh, yeah. I hear that. I totally hear that. I, I, I broke my ankle, and I still tried to compete. Like, yeah. I, said, I said, I don't think we're going to do that. I said, why don't, mm -hmm. we, why don't we get this fixed up first? Um, but it's, just, yeah. it's also tough because you spend so much time. I don't think people probably think about it much, but, you know, the performance of your sport or the, you know, or the game, whatever it ends up being, it's such a mm -hmm. small percentage of the actual time you spend working towards it. And, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to give that away when you've put mm -hmm. nine months or a year into this idea that you're going to play in a nine inning baseball game 50 times. Oh my God. Et cetera, yeah. You know? Preaching yeah. to the choir, like yeah. my routines. So for trampoline, cause I'm a trampolinist, my routines are 20 seconds. Mm -hmm. And I trained from when I was three years old in gymnastics to make it to an Olympic games. Yeah. where you compete for 20 seconds. Right. Did you ever think about it cognitively as it was coming up? Like, what am I doing? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, because if we put this in other context, you would not do this. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah. 
absolutely not. Are you like, I, I mean, I have to like look at myself in the mirror and be like, you're crazy. Mm. What were you thinking? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to ask you later about it. Cause I am interested in what drives you to make a decision like that and to stick with it. Mm-hmm. But, um, okay. So you have this, this, this kind of letdown of your physical performance. Do you end up going to a mm-hmm. doctor? Do you tell a parent, a coach? How do you proceed? Yeah, I, I went to my doctor because we, I had attended a national team training camp and it was like our first camp back since pandemic. Um, it was supposed to like kick off the year leading into the Olympics. And I just was getting my ass kicked. I had junior elites that were doing better than me. I couldn't get through routines. I couldn't do anything. I was absolutely miserable. And on the way home, I was like, this is beyond just being mentally burned out. This is beyond just falling behind and getting older in a really hard sport. Something's wrong with me. Like I fully had that penny drop moment of something is wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but something's wrong. Um, so as soon as I got home, I landed, I called my doctor. She ordered some blood work, got it done right away. And then uh, she called me that evening and was like, <laughs> Surprise, you have diabetes. <laughs> You're like, no, I don't, because Wilford Brimley has diabetes and I'm not like him at all. And I don't understand this. Unless do you have it in your family? No, nobody. Not okay. a single person. My little sister does have celiacs, so that is the autoimmune kind of mm-hmm. similar or like Yeah, no, I was gonna ask you in a second if there's any autoimmune in your family. So trust me. Yeah, that's yeah. the really the only thing. Okay. No no uh thyroid anywhere? Nope. Here's one I like to ask. My, like, I think maybe like a cousin has a thyroid thing. That counts. Which, okay, cool. It yeah, counts. Yes, yeah, yeah. there's thyroid. How about like an aunt, like after Christmas dinner, runs to the bathroom for like a half hour. Stomach gets upset. Anything like that? Then <sighs> I that, don't think so. Because a lot of times the celi- there's people who have celiac that just don't know they do. Really? Yeah. And it's just, they think, they say things like, ah, my stomach doesn't like me. You're like, yeah, okay. Is that? Uh, that's yeah. my stomach also doesn't like me but that could have been the bagel and ice cream and <laughs> pizza and <laughs> yeah um it's interesting you said about getting older when you're young because you're you're 24 at that point you're like maybe i'm just getting older um mm-hmm. and again my son said to me this spring as, as spring training was getting going he was a senior i said how's it going he goes i feel old and, mm-hmm. and, and i was like yeah he goes he's like uh, like the rust is breaking off and i'll be okay but he, all he did was lift through the off season and hit, you know, inside. Mm-hmm. And he just said, he's like, I just, I see some of these younger kids rolling around and they just, they don't show up like creaky the next day. Like I do. And it took him a couple of weeks yeah. and he, he sprung back, but he's like, I feel old. It was weird to hear a 22 no, person say that to me. So, I mean, that was like fully my mentality in that year of training undiagnosed was, Oh, I'm just past my peak. Oh yeah bummer i'm just not that good anymore and given a little bit more time being healthy i think i totally would have gotten back to 100 percent been like back to fighting form but by the time i was diagnosed it was only a couple of weeks until olympic trials and a couple of months until the olympics so it really wasn't enough time to kind of start up and build all that strength back that i had lost in the last year mm-hmm. um i did my best but and definitely a lot of it came back but not all of it, which is kind of a bummer, but yeah. I hear you. Um, yeah, listen, I just, I just, had to, hard. I just had to have knee surgery because I woke up one day and my knee hurt. So don't complain. To no, me, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't bouncing on anything. Um, so 
you you get this news from the doctor. Are you training somewhere alone? Are you living at home or are you near family or friends? No, I was actually just living with my partner and my parents had left and moved out of state like two days before I was diagnosed. So it was really just me and my partner. Um, and then obviously my support system in the gym, which is my coach and teammates and stuff. Right. But through the pandemic, I mean, I was training by myself. So it was just my coach and I. Um, so my circle was really small. So what does your, I mean, how do you know what your blood sugar was when that blood work went back? Um, my A1C was 14.6. I don't know exactly what my blood sugar was in that moment, but I do remember pricking my finger like right after I was diagnosed like a couple of times and it being in the 600s. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. you mentioned that it's possible that it was going on for longer than you knew looking back. What do you think was going on? So I had suffered a couple of injuries in the late months of 2019 and they were nothing major, major. I mean, I guess one of them was pretty major. I had a really, really bad concussion that, you know, took me out of school, took me out of training and that took a super long time to heal. The same thing is like I had a tear in one of the ligaments on the top of my foot and it just was not healing. It was an injury that should have taken, you know, a month to kind of clear up. Mm-hmm. And it took three, four, five months before I felt like it was like anywhere near normal again. Okay. So I was healing really slow, which looking back, that was before I was even having a like tangible decline in performance mm-hmm. and sport performance. But my body was a just struggling, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, it's completely, po- I mean, there are people who, I mean, some people have a lot of, you know, type one and a half and it takes years and years and years of like this slow, slow decline. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, it's not crazy. I mean, still a quick onset with type one is common, right? And quick could mm-hmm. be a couple of months or, you know, et cetera. But I, I hear mm-hmm. you, it happens so slow and you you don't see it happening, you know? Mm-hmm. what was the yeah um, and you just explain it away you know you oh, just yeah. you just come up with all the reasons of why you're fine <laughs> like it takes a lot to get to that tipping point to think oh you know maybe something's wrong <laughs> mm-hmm. well my daughter was two when she was diagnosed and she had just switched from bottles so when she would have these incredibly heavy diapers we'd be like wow it's because she's drinking so much with her cups like we were proud, mm-hmm. we were proud of her you know what i mean right <laughs> um, right and thinking oh god were we like was she dehydrated before because look how much she's drinking now and you just it is not yeah your, exactly it, you explain it away yeah because charlotte i think it would be a long unhappy life if everything that happened, your brain ran to, you know, I probably have diabetes or, oh my God, you right? Know, you know, or, you know what this probably is arm cancer, you, you know, like, you know, like, you know, like, so like, Seriously. I, th- I think it's a, it's a protective measure in some ways. It just ends up in this scenario becomes dangerous if you don't pay attention to it. Mm-hmm. What, what, if any technology do you leave the diagnosis with? So I walked out of the doctor's office with a long acting insulin. That was it. Uh, oh no, and a and a finger pricker, finger uh, meter. I call it my finger pricker. I don't think that's actually what it's called. <laughs> call it whatever you want. I don't care. So you you just you just left with like a basal insulin. Did, yeah. Did they give you neat syringes or a pen? Uh, they gave me a pen and a sample of four needle heads. Okay, and let's just call it your pricker, and then <laughs> they, but a meter. You got a meter and test strips. Right? I got a meter. And, yep. and a way to make a hole in your finger. Yep. Actually, got three things. You got test strips, a meter. So that's the pricker part. The pricker, which I think is called a lance. 
yeah, I it's, agree. It's just not you. I agree. think I was learning so much at the time. <laughs> Charlotte agrees with me that it's called a lance. Why? Thank you. Um, <laughs> how benevolent of petition, you. Petition to change it to pricker. <laughs> yeah. I just there was so much to remember at that time, sure. and I think whenever I needed my pricker, it was I was either low or really high, and my brain wasn't working, and I would just point and be like, "I need, I need, I need um, uh, the pricking thing." The Dexcom G6 is a continuous glucose monitoring system. It's a small device that you wear that sends a signal to your smartphone or to a receiver. That signal tells you what your blood sugar is constantly, continuously. You understand? Continuous glucose monitoring system, glucose sugar system. Anyway, consistently, constantly use whatever word you want. It's there all the time on your Dexcom receiver or on your phone, your phone, (laughs) your phone. All right. Or on your phone. That could be an Android or an iPhone. I am picking up my iPhone right now. My daughter's blood sugar is 133. It is actually rather stable. It's been stable long enough now that when I get done making this ad, I'm going to send her a text that says, why don't you push your blood sugar a little bit? Why do I, uh, why do I say that? Well, few hours ago, Arden changed her insulin pump, her Omnipod. At that time, we were leading into a meal. Okay, not great timing, right? But it is what it is. Now, two hours after the meal, I'm pretty confident that the pod is up and running, working great, doing what I expected to do, and that maybe we should have used more insulin for the meal. I can tell that by looking at the stability of this line. This is not a blood sugar that's about to rise or fall. It's stable and steady. We missed on the meal. We're going to give her a little more. Maybe we missed because it was a new pod site, or maybe, I don't know. doesn't matter really, does it? All I know is I'm getting back data that makes sense, that feels actionable to me, and I feel confident using it. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. These are our results and yours may vary, but there are about a million great ways to use a Dexcom. If you're using insulin, it tells you so much. And that data is so valuable. You really should check it out. Get started today with the Dexcom G6 or check out Dexcom's Hello Dexcom program, which if you're eligible for, will give you a 10-day free trial of the Dexcom G6. Links in the show notes, links at juiceboxpodcast.com to Dexcom and to our next sponsor, Omnipod. Makers of the Omnipod Dash, now talk about free trials. The Omnipod Dash free trial, if you're eligible, is 30 days long, which is a month or a twelfth of a year. One twelfth of a year for the free if you go to omnipod.com forward slash juicebox and are eligible for that free trial of the Omnipod Dash. At my link, you'll be able to check your eligibility, your insurance coverage, and get started right now. You can learn more by uh, clicking on a link there, right, where you can fill in some information and say, hey, uh, I want to know more about the Dash. Or, eh, I want to know more about the Omnipod 5. You can even click on a link here. It says, call me. You put in your name and your little business is about, you know what I mean? A couple bits of information. Bada bing, bada boom. They'll give you a call. They'll be like, "Uh, hello, is this Bill? Hey, yeah, it's uh, Bill. What's up? Bill, this is Omnipod. You uh, asked us to give you a call. You got any questions? You'd be like, oh my God, I have a ton of questions. I'm interested in starting the Omnipod Dash. 
Am I eligible for a free 30-day trial? Or you might say, I want to get me some of that sweet, sweet Omnipod 5 algorithm you got going on over there. How about that? I want to know more. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Get started. Get moving. You deserve this technology. For full safety risk information and free trial terms and conditions, you can also visit Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. <laughs> also, so it just it stuck. Well, also, I mean, I guess not for nothing. Not that diabetes doesn't invade everyone's life and put your real life on hold for a minute, but your real life was you thought you were going to be in the Olympics, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it wasn't like you couldn't go to English, and you were like, ah, yeah. I'll just make that up next semester. <laughs> so you, yeah. have, you have, <laughs> so you have like you have big time constraint, lifelong mm-hmm. pursuits. That somebody's like, hey, guess what? Those 20 seconds you've been praying for. Yeah, maybe not. And so maybe that, not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's in your head, too. Um, mm-hmm. Did you then what did they do? Give you do you have to make an appointment with an endo? Because they don't, I mean, you're just doing basil. You weren't bowls. Yeah, meals it was honestly like a disaster at the, at the start. Like, so because I had seen my I saw my primary care and she's fantastic. I've seen her my like whole life. And uh, she was like, you need to come into the office first thing in the morning. There's like an endo's office connected to my primary care office. Mm-hmm. So I went into there, but the endo was like, you know, booked out for months and you can't get an appointment. So she literally just walks me into the office and the um, nurse educator or nurse practitioner or some, somebody in the office was just like, oh, okay. Like, well, here's some insulin. Take 10 units. Prick your finger. Bye. <laughs> And you've had it for a year now. You realize that's plenty of information. You're fine. Yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm doing good. 10 units. See what happens. Listen, if you faint, get your pricker. Get your pricker out. How long long did you live like that? It was only, it was a week. So I think that was maybe like a Monday. Mm -hmm. And then the office and like, go Dr. Paris, my primary care. She was like, no, you're gonna get her in this week you are going to get her in yeah and the office was like well we'll try we'll try and she i i was literally in the doctor's office that morning sobbing and then they brought her in because i was so emotionally distraught and she was like you're gonna be okay it's gonna be fine and she looks at the nurse in the room and she goes you're gonna get her in and just like death stares her mm-hmm. and then it's like well we'll try and she goes no you're gonna get her in. Nice. You need a killer on your side once in a <laughs> and while. I was like, you know? Thank you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just just shriveled up in a corner, going like ah, yeah. like a puddle. Yeah, no. And I was uh, I think I was like snuck in on like a Friday, so it was maybe like five days of me just trying not to eat a carb mm-hmm. and learn as much as I can and reach out to anybody in the world that I know that has type one. Yeah. And Uh, yeah i mean that first week those first two weeks and even after seeing the endo for the first time he just upped my basil and actually still didn't prescribe me Mm -hmm. a fast acting insulin and it wasn't until i think the following week that i was doing like virtual appointments with the nurse educator in the office where they teach you everything and she was like you really need a fast acting insulin i was like i don't know a lot but i know you're right (laughs) (laughs) i heard that and so she called the doctor and then then he prescribed it Okay. And then I got it and then I got started on it. And that's when I really started to like, feel better. And But directions from them about how to use it or were you figuring it out online or. 
Um, she did give me some directions, but I was so confused. Again, horrible, really horrible office. <laughs> I hope my doctor doesn't listen to this. No, let's let them listen. You, you get better at your job. Have some pride. There Honestly, yeah. do better. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I was like trying to figure it out online, but again, all those words are new and all everything's just so new. Yeah. I really just needed somebody to very simply break it down for me. Mm-hmm. And she was, the nurse educator was really cautious and telling me this or that, or this or that because diabetes is so personal, which it absolutely is once you have it figured out, but yeah. there are some like baseline rules that you just kind of need to know. <laughs> yeah. Charlotte, I have a series that must be over 40. It's gotta be over 40 episodes long now. There's, basically five to 10 minute episodes. They're called defining diabetes. It's every term Mm. that you hear. And it's not, it's not read to you like out of a definition, you know, like here it is from the, it's look, here's bolus. This is what bolus means. Here's what it means. Mm -hmm. Technically, here's what it's going to mean in your life every day. It's a fun, you know, I, I pride myself on making very listenable diabetes content. And so mm-hmm. um, it's a fun conversation where when you end it, you go, I know what basal means now. I know what, yeah. you know, DKA means now. Like, because to your point, people are yelling a bunch of words at you, no context for them whatsoever. That, and you're scared. Yeah. And your yeah. blood sugar is probably still vacillating all over the place. And your yeah. life is changed irreparably. And you're, you're worried about your 20 seconds. And, you know, like, like yep. every other thing that happens, I, um, if it makes you feel better when my di- my daughter was diagnosed, um, a nurse came in the room fourth or f- day, I think, and said that they were going to teach us how to count carbs. And then she started adding fractions. And I just, <laughs> I just started crying, like, like, just like crying. And my wife goes, you're going to need to come back. And she left the room. And one of the only times, Charlotte, you, you're young still, but one of the only times my wife's been nice to me in like the last 30 years. And she turned to me and she goes, you're okay. You know how to add fractions. And I said, I'm going to kill her. That, that's what's going to, I'm going to, and I didn't mean the nurse. I meant my daughter. I meant I'm going to mess this math up. I'm going to kill her. I know mm. I am. That's what it felt like in the moment. Yeah. I lost yeah. the ability to add fractions because of the pressure. Yeah. And in some ways, this podcast exists because I don't count carbs and I don't do Mm -hmm. things the way other people do. And, you know, inside Mm -hmm. of this podcast is, is how we, my, my daughter's A1C is, you really don't know this podcast. I know my daughter's A1C has been from five, two to six, two for eight years. She's like, if any diet restrictions, I know how to use insulin and I know how to talk Mm -hmm. about it. I just Mm -hmm. don't know how to count carbs and add fractions when you need me add to. fractions it's yeah, yeah. tough i remember that day in fourth grade vividly yeah it was terrible and, and mr segola let me be honest with you while we're calling people out mr segola my fourth grade teacher was a horror okay <laughs> he he hated me i know he did mm-hmm. i know you're allowed to hate children you just don't talk about it this man did not mm-hmm. like me whatsoever he thought i was sarcastic i was probably a little fat kid which you know in this <laughs> in the 70s and not going to get any respect there. There's no like personal choice back then. It's not like that's the body he's comfortable in. They're like, Scott, stop eating. Yeah, you know, it's a he's... shame the four year old. Oh, for certain. Right. <laughs> and so um, at every Friday, he'd give a math test and it was a hundred quick questions where he, you'd take a piece of paper, it was one to a hundred, mm-hmm. your little pencil, mm-hmm. and he'd go two times three. And you had to write six and move to line two because he was already saying five times eight. And they were mm-hmm. simple. 
I would get And this them, is when you discovered what anxiety was. I would get most of them wrong. And then what would happen is you had to write each one 10 times over the weekend. So my entire weekend was spent writing out thousands of multiplication things over and over again while my parents yelled at me like mm-hmm. how could you not understand three times five I was like well I know it now that you're saying it you, you know and like and so um yeah. I I think he enjoyed torturing me I don't even remember why we're talking that. about that anymore but that I I would agree with that we're unpacking childhood trauma we're here we're here for it all can I tell you I he's probably dead and I'm I'm okay with it you know what <laughs> Say lovey. Yeah. I'm life. sure there were people who loved him, but he was very mean to me, and I don't have any. I have no remorse. You know what? He uh, wronged you, and that's okay. I'm gonna you never, can you can feel what you feel. Charlotte, you have no idea how bad I am with names. That I know that man's odd last name still means he really he tortured yeah. me. Yeah, you're so, gonna remember it for the rest of your life too. All right. So anyway, so <laughs> sorry. Let us just segue away from that because you're on the podcast. I don't imagine you know why you're on the podcast. I know why you're on. Um, and it's not because, just to let people know, to talk about me again in fourth grade, when you all send me emails a year ago, you should get Charlotte Drury on the podcast. She just got diabetes. She's trying to be in the Olympics. You make me not want to do it when you do that. <laughs> I don't like doing what everybody else is doing. I, it, right. just, it makes me uncomfortable. Because all I can think right. of is everyone's going to interview this Charlotte girl. And I don't want to just be like, it'll get lost in the mix. I'm like, no. So... You weren't on a year ago because of the people who wrote me to ask to have you on. I know it seems wow. backwards. Nice. You're on today. Let, let, I'll get a list of their names. Yeah. You, well, you <laughs> should exact your retribution, too, as I've done just now with Mr. Segola. Uh, there's a strong possibility your episode's going to be called Mr. Segola, by the way. <laughs> I support that through and through. In fact, I think we should trademark his name and start a book. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make money off his ass. That's a good idea. Um <laughs> So Turn your trauma into dollars. The I reason like it. the reason I reached out to you is because somebody tagged me in something on Instagram, and I got to watch you have a difficult moment in public, and mm-hmm. I saw you like every other person with diabetes, and not like a bouncy girl, or like. And I don't mean to be like derivative. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sure what you do is really cool. But, I do. Uh, I yeah. do. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about that. That's why I asked you on. Why it took me mm-hmm. 25 minutes to get to it. Eh, there's no way to know. Well, because but, we, we took the we took the long road. We've been chatting, and I have not even asked you yet about what you think of those kids on TikTok who bounce hundreds of feet in the air in their backyard trampolines. As I watch Maniacs. them and go, that kid's gonna die. That kid's gonna die. Like maniacs, they're gonna die, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. They are. Right. Yeah. Let's get away from that. Um, <laughs> seriously, if no one's seen those videos, you have to find them. But that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Like, they literally, I mean, am I wrong? Are they going 50, 100 feet in the air? Easily. Yeah. Easily. And, Easily. Uh, um, just, they are insane. And they're and they're spinning the entire time. Yeah, they do more flips in, like, one bounce than I do in, like, four sometimes. I don't even understand how they're not dead when they just hit the trampoline. Because I don't I understand it at all. I also agree with that. Okay. I, I genuinely am baffled by those kids. They are maniacs. I think they were born with rubber bones. Mm-hmm. I And, like... God bless them the day their prefrontal cortex fully develops and they realize what they've been doing for the last 15 years has been insane. I, I blame the drugs, Charlotte. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. how you would do that I if you weren't high. <laughs> I mean, I'm being honest. Um, okay, so can you tell me a little bit about, like, I think you did, like, I'm not the 
social media maven that maybe I should be. But I feel like you were just asking questions of people and having conversations through Instagram. But what mm-hmm. led you to that that moment? Um, yeah, I think. So I actually did talk about this a lot with some people that are really close in my life and then with a bunch of people on social media of I've been diagnosed for a year now. And in my head, that kind of feels like a long time, but with diabetes, you know, you're looking at the rest of your life. The year is such a, it's a fraction of the rest of your life. And it was really hitting me that I was having all of these like identity changes of, Oh my God, I've always classified myself as a healthy person. Am I a healthy person? Am I an able-bodied person? Am I a capable person? Am I an independent person? All these things that I valued and, for like a solid week, I just slowly started having this unraveling, this like slow brewing meltdown. And then one night it was like maybe 10 o'clock at night and I'm in bed and I'm just like sobbing and having this meltdown and it all being diabetes related and diabetes focused and not knowing who to talk to about it. And then I was like, well, there's actually like thousands of people that I can talk to about it right now. And selfishly, I really need support. So I posted it on my story and I was just asking for support. I said I was struggling. What helps you when you guys are struggling? And it was just a Q&A. And I got thousands of messages in reply that were so kind and thoughtful and helpful. And I felt seen. I felt validated. I had new ways of thinking. People were shifting my perspective. And because they were so insightful and a couple of people in those questions had asked if I could also share them because they were also struggling. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what a great opportunity to now share these answers with everybody else that's also here in this community. Yeah. And so I did. And it was like a really cathartic experience. It took me a, a good 24 hours to be able to go through and read all the questions without just crying the whole time. Because again, I was really fragile in the moment and they were really helpful. Like they were hitting the nerves that were raw mm-hmm. and it was nice. And I, it was, everybody always talks about, you know, you need your community and you need the diabetes community to kind of prop you up when you're feeling a little weak or a little shaky. And they were right. I mean, I felt really not better. I, I felt better, not fixed, obviously not completely through that like slump. I'm still definitely in it, but a lot better. And I think after that day, I started to kind of get out of that burnout, depression, not depression because it's not depression right now, um, but the de- depressive slope, like slope. <laughs> right. So, I mean, it caught my attention because, I mean, Charlotte, I don't have diabetes. I should knock on wood because I'm probably going to end up. I mean, it's going to, the iron is going to happen. It's going to have to follow me at some point, right? I'm going to have to climb on here one day and be like, okay, it happened. Um, but for the moment, I don't. I make this mm-hmm. podcast because my daughter is, who's 18 in a couple of weeks, has had it since she was two. I started writing a blog before blogs were a thing. Um, Mm -hmm. It helped people, and I liked that it helped people. At Mm -hmm. some point, I recognized that it was all raw nerve blogging. I was just like, something would happen, and I would write about it, and people would come Mm -hmm. in and go, that happens to me too. And then it would make them feel better that it happens to someone else. I saw the value Mm -hmm. in it. But there was just one day where I thought, like my conscious thought was, it's nice to know you're not alone at 2 a.m., right? Even though you're alone in your home. Even though you're alone in your home, somewhere, countless people are up going, oh, my blood sugar's low. And they're drinking a juice or they're worried or they're Mm -hmm. eating their kitchen or whatever. There's comfort in that. 
And I started thinking, it's not enough to just offer comfort. Like, what if we could stop them from being low at 2 a.m.? Like, mm. like how, how would that be? And so I, mm-hmm. I started to focus the blog more about that. It's how it kind of ended up translating into the podcast. But as much as I could see the value in it through the blog, the podcast is by magnitudes much bigger than the, than the, pod, than the blog ever was. And, and mm-hmm. now I'm actually speaking to people. And it always strikes me because in my heart, the podcast is about management, but it's, it's not really. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it, it's got these facets that some of them I'm less aware of because I don't have diabetes. But when people start coming on and tell these great stories and they're sharing their lives, and at some point I kind of ham-fistedly go, so how did the podcast help you? Because, you know, I need my moment. You understand, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I mean, I after you <laughs> land on the trampoline, you stand there for a second because you're like, and I say somebody better clap. Yeah, yeah. Someone ought to <laughs> clap right now. And so, but anyway, but seriously, I try to. What I really am trying to do is connect their stories to how the podcast mm-hmm. helped them. So hopefully, it'll help somebody else. But, mm-hmm. but the joking aside, so many people say that it's the community aspect of the podcast that's the most valuable part for them. Coming on every day and listening to someone else tell a story about their life, and mm-hmm. um, I, I always knew it was important. I never could connect it completely. And so you had this opportunity. I assume your Instagram following grew mightily when you got type one. Yeah, truly. Yeah, there's a crazy um, community around type one diabetes that almost doesn't Mm -hmm. exist in other disease states. Um, And so do you think, do you think you'd still be in that space if you didn't have those people to talk to? That's a really good question. Um, No. However, that's only because I have been through a lot in my life in sport and with this diagnosis. And I have been forced to figure things out on my own before. Mm -hmm. And I am confident in my ability to figure things out and to get through things. However, did I arrive there a lot quicker and a lot more comforted and comfortable because of the community? Absolutely. But I thoroughly believe that every single one of us as individuals, because we have to, can figure it out. Right. However, we don't have to do it alone. We don't have to. Yeah. And the fact that we have community makes it so much easier. And because all those people reached out and shared their their tidbits of information and what they've learned when they've been in these tough spots, probably by themselves as well. Mm -hmm. It just made it that much easier. They just showed me the way out. My, my week is lining up so strangely. So you're 26 last night. I interviewed a 26 year old girl who Mm -hmm. talked about how she had a very has and had a very tough life and was not raised to find her way out of it. And she's Mm -hmm. doing it anyway, right? She's finding these tools and she's not just she's not just saying this is hard somebody help me she's figuring out how to help herself and then she's mm-hmm. dragging herself forward and then looking ahead and figuring out the next thing and dragging herself forward again um and i just had so i was just having this conversation like 16 hours ago with her about this thing and then you said the same thing in a completely different way like we all have the capacity somehow and and I think I'm I'm looping in her story which will come out 
much later than yours, so people won't have a lot of context. So <laughs> I don't know what you want from me, but I, that's why I just told it to you now. So um, <laughs> it, it, because it would be easy to look at you and go, oh, sure, the Olympic girl can do it, but I'm not that. Like, I um, I think that sometimes, like, there, there's a reason I don't have a ton of famous people as many as I could, uh, mm-hmm. athletes as many as I could, because they look like Superman sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, yeah, sure, Superman did it. Great. Well, what am I going to do? You, you know what I yep. mean? Like, I can't jump up in the air. Uh, so, like, and and at the same time, I think there's an amazing value in hearing that you, a person who knows how to work really hard for something over extended amounts of time, uh, which is a real skill, and a person who doesn't have nearly any of your conveniences like like coming up how you both came to the same conclusion you're gonna you're mm-hmm. gonna get there differently with different ideas but i mean it's just a very human idea like we all can mm-hmm. do something you know what i mean and yeah. then wait and see what happens next there's more and there's more and you could just kind of keep going it's you know i mean i don't know i don't think of life as like a work to get to a party i think of it as do my best today so i can do my best tomorrow you know kind mm-hmm. of thing um yeah can you talk a little bit about what some of those people said that you found helpful in the moment? Um, a lot of it that has stuck with me, especially even today of like reframing how you think about what you're grateful for. Cause everybody's always like, ah, make your gratitude list, you know, list five things that you're grateful for. And it's like, well, yeah, I'm grateful for five things, but I'm also really ungrateful for a lot of other things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My Netflix being free is not overpowering the diabetes thing. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, right? yeah. The fact that it's spring is not fixing the fact that my pancreas is broken. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. Um, but it was reframe what it is you're grateful for. So you can hate this disease, but you can be grateful for life. Okay. I can do that. Mm. I am grateful for life. I am grateful for living and I fucking hate this disease. Right. Um, another person wrote, whenever I start to really resent my broken pancreas, I start making a list out loud and I list all the body parts that are working and are doing their jobs and that allow me to live my life. And so I also started doing that and I say, thank you skin from, for protecting me from the sun today. Thank you brain for helping me read this book today. Thank you eyes for working so well. Thank you nose for not being stuffy today. Mm. Like we should really thank our noses more often for not being stuffy when they're not stuffy. I hear you. And like, that was really impactful advice for me and putting gratitude in a lens that I felt like I could reach it in that moment. Can I ask you before you move on, before you move on, I I don't want you to lose your place, but did you grow up in such a way where things worked out for you? No. No. So things weren't, can you take, take training out of it for a second? Mm -hmm. Did things just work out? Like the sofa was clean. The house was nice. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Expect. And then you grew up. I know this sounds crazy. I am really old when I say this, but the internet and cell phones changed people's expectations of getting what they want when they want it. Like that, yeah. that idea. Like I, I think the example mm-hmm. I used the other day talking to somebody is when you watch a TV show and you're like, I don't know who that is in the background. You just pause it and you look it up and you're like, oh, it's Joe Montaigne. Joe Montaigne is a character actor. And you, and you know all about Joe Montaigne's life at that point. Yeah. If that happened to me when I was 26, I'd have to go to work and be like, hey, have any of you ever seen this TV show? No, it's on Tuesdays at 8. If you could watch it, I just want to know who the, like there's no, like mm-hmm. I'm used to not, 
getting the answers to my questions. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I grew up incredibly broke. I was used to things not going well. And I do wonder mm-hmm. sometimes how that, how that informs how I feel and what I do next when things go wrong. Because I almost mm-hmm. expect things to go wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when I do, I'm like, okay, well, now we'll take care of this, you know. And anyway, but you also, so you have this duality where you grew up mm-hmm. reasonably well and at the same mm-hmm. time put yourself into something incredibly difficult that was probably constantly knocking you down. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you yes. have these both of these. But at the end of the day, I did have, you know, a safe, clean, happy home to always return to. Right. Right. Granted, I was there at night and sleeping, and the majority of my day was in the gym. Mm-hmm. And the majority of my identities in the gym, but I always had a soft place to land. Right. So there is there is that, and that has definitely been formative to me in kind of giving me that like underlying assumption that I'm always gonna be okay. I will always figure it out, but I'm not scared that you know I'm gonna be on the streets, or I'm not scared that my family's not gonna be there for me one day. You know. Mm-hmm. Like I have that sense of strength and uh, stability in my life that I'm so grateful for. But when it comes to sport, like, oh my God, yeah, not a single thing ever went right in sport. Right. <laughs> this has been a therapy topic. <laughs> hey, you <laughs> like, know, you just named your autobiography. Unless <laughs> it's, a, unless it's a, like a colloquialism that people use that I've never heard before. You just named your autobiography. A soft place what, to land. Saying? A soft place to land. Mm. See how it works. Because of the trampoline and then life. And (laughs) I mean, I'm just saying it's a metaphor. It's all right. That's a good one, honestly. Yeah. I'm not even, I'm not even taking that for the title because that's for you. Although I would like a thank you at the end of the book. That's all. You can be in the dedication. Yeah. That would be nice. Um, Tell me about that, about putting yourself in terribly difficult situations on purpose. And then those Mm -hmm. situations torturing you. And you could mm-hmm. just look at them and go, hey, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. But instead, mm-hmm. you show back up every day and let it punch you in the face again. What, what's, mm-hmm. what's wrong with you? Let's talk about what's wrong inside of your brain that you would put yourself through that. <laughs> I, I don't really have a good answer for that because I'm also like, why did I do that? Mm-hmm. When I looked in the mirror in the morning, I was like, I am miserable. I hate this. This is horrible. Let's go to practice. (laughs) (laughs) Is it? I think, I think it was so ingrained in my identity of this is who I am. I am somebody who shows up. I am somebody who does the sport. I am somebody who does hard things. I said I was going to do this and I'm going to see it through Mm -hmm. because I am somebody that sees things through. However, I have recently learned the value of quitting and I have taken away the negative connotation that quitting has. And I think everybody should quit something in their life. And it's only just started to kind of unravel a little bit so that I can live a little bit of a softer, kinder, not so intense life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't, if you have an answer for me of where that came from, that would probably save me a thousand dollars in therapy. Well, listen, I don't know your parents, but that's where I would start. And the, uh, but uh, let's skip past the, them for a minute. Are you incredibly competitive? I was. Yeah, I totally was. More with yourself or with the thing you were doing? Did you care more about the score or about doing it right? Doing it right. Yeah. My son But the thing is, is if I did it right, the score was good. So so, so my son can leave a game that they lose nine to nothing and have mm. three good at bats and make a catch. And he'll be like, I was mm-hmm. I did perfect today. 
like, yeah. you, you know, and, and he's more competitive with himself than he is. I think there's a, a world where my son could lose every baseball game he's ever been in and still mm-hmm. be somewhat fulfilled by it. Although it would become a drudgery at some point. Right. Uh, but right. I'm always interested in that. If people are like, they do they want to win or do they want to be good? Yeah. So I, so I think it's only slightly different because this is an individual sport and the success and failure hinges solely on me and yeah, what I do. It's the same thing. So really. yeah. Yeah. If you being I, good as winning. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So there's been times where I would have, you know, won a competition, but been a little bit disappointed that one thing didn't go right. Mm-hmm. And I would get hung up on that one thing. So I do think that it's definitely me being my biggest competitor. Are you a completionist in other places? Do you start movies? Yeah. Do you start a movie that you don't like and watch the rest of it anyway? Do you? Oh no, I don't like movies. That's a weird fact about me. That's okay. Pick something different. Puzzle book. Uh, Books. Yes. I'll finish a book. I don't like. Okay. Um, All right. Well, here's a tough question. How old were you when you realized you didn't like, is it tumbling? I'm sorry. This is the Trampoline. thing. Yeah, so this is the thing. <laughs> Everyone's going to like, the people who listen are not going to be surprised by this, but I told you right when we started, I'm going to say something to you you might find shocking. I don't know what sport you do. <laughs> That's fair. I figured That's it fair. out. That's <laughs> fair. That's refreshing. Also, it's trampoline. Nobody knows what sport I'm doing. <laughs> I figured it out as you were talking, but the first time you said it, I went, oh, okay. <laughs> so, nice. cool. And right so we back. call trampoline trampoline. It's not trampolining. Mm-hmm. Correct. Trampoline is both a noun and a verb. Okay. And so let me ask you then, how old were you the first time you realized you were better at it than other people your age? Um, honestly, like it took a really long time. I, so I did artistic gymnastics from three till 13, quit artistic gymnastics when I was 13 because I was so burned out and realized that I wasn't going to go to the Olympics for it and Mm -hmm. was like, that's not worth it if I'm going to be working out five to eight hours a day to not go to the Olympics, that doesn't sound fun. Sure. Um, so quit that and then started trampling for fun, like solely because I needed something to do. And I always think I carried that kind of like chip on my shoulder from artistic gymnastics of, I'm not actually that good. I'm just kind of doing it. I'm not the best. I've never been the best. Mm-hmm. And so even when I was like, winning senior elite nationals and i was like oh well i'm just not i'm not the best like i am not the best maybe i won this competition but i am not the best so it took me like a really long time to even acknowledge the fact that i was really good at this sport Mm -hmm. that's what keeps you going that's why people who are good at things are good at them though because they Mm -hmm. don't they don't sit back and rest they don't they don't Mm -hmm. say oh look how good i am this is as good as i need to be at this it's mm-hmm. always something else and something more and a fine tune here. Or you get to somewhere where it feels like a pinnacle and you go, this pinnacle is not high enough. I'm going to tear this oh down. God, yeah. I'm going to tear it down and rebuild it again and start over. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do it better the next time. I've watched mm-hmm. my son try to hit a baseball since he was three years old. I, I know what you're talking about. So mm-hmm. um, it's exhausting. Yeah. And it's actually funny because right now he's talking about going to grad school to keep playing. And I'm mm-hmm. trying to find the words to say, are you sure you want to do that Bef- mm-hmm. before? And I don't want to dissuade him if he really does want to do it. But, and I, but I, it's a weird position to be in, right? Because I don't want to be the person that steps in and says, Hey, Charlotte, 
stop bouncing up and down on that thing. You got other things you could be right. doing, right? Because then you might right. stop and three years from now be like, this is and Scott's blame you. fault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. made me stop doing this. And so I don't want to yeah. do that to my son. Um, and at the same time, I don't want him to wake up five years from now and be in your position where you're like, why the hell was I doing that for so long? You, you know, yeah. and especially when the when the payoff at the end is so unlikely to begin with. And but you were on it. Like you were you were you really were, right? You were headed to it. Mm-hmm. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think of without yeah. so tell me the so let's go back for a second. You get diabetes. How far off are the Olympics at that moment? Time wise, they're yeah. three months away. Three months away. Have you qualified? Are you trying to qualify? We still had all of the qualifiers to go through. Okay. So we had country qualifications. So we still needed to compete at a World Cup to get the U.S. spot. There mm-hmm. was still that uncertainty. And then I still had three Olympic trials to compete at. Do you have any confidence that it would have gone your way? Had I not had diabetes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You think, Absolutely. You think you it would have worked out? Totally. And I mean, I do have like, you know, the evidence to support that as well because in 2020 before pandemic and that season started in end of january i think it was and february i competed at a world cup and i competed at a um at at the first olympic trial of 2020 and knocked those both out of the water like i was in fighting form and i felt really good and i for as tumultuous as my entire elite career has been that was the first time where i was kind of having that thought again in a very long time of i think this might work out i think i can do this mm-hmm. it i'm it's right there and i really didn't believe that i was going to get to that point again okay because also my oh god there's so much i mean this olympic cycle was really hard the last olympic cycle was worse it was it destroyed me as a human being i mean just wrecked me i was training for the 2016 olympics and I ended up breaking my foot the day before the last Olympic trial. Mm. So I had made it all the way up until that point, training from three years old to I was 20. Um, and I, I survived a lifetime of training just to literally break my foot the day before mm-hmm. I was going to reach my goal. And I also kind of came in with a younger mentality. You know, my I was 20 years old and all I knew was this. Yeah. So losing that, you know, my life is over. Not only is that I just lose the Olympics, I definitely just lost my entire identity. So coming into this Olympics and getting diabetes and seeing that decline and thinking that my grasp on the Olympics is going to be loosening and slowing down. And I guess I'm losing it again. Mm-hmm. I wasn't as distraught by it because I came in with a lot of a different mentality than I did in 2016 because I saw how bad that destroyed me not making it. And I wasn't really going to let myself get back to that point. Have you make, have you met Kate Hall yet? Mm-mm. No. Do you know who she is? No. Okay. So Kate is a long jumper mm-hmm. who has type one, who, if I'm not mistaken, blew up something in her leg right before the Olympics last time. Ah, the club. No one wants to be in. Yeah. She's mm. Kate Hall two zero four three on Instagram. Okay, you, you guys might yeah, have a lot. In, you might have a lot in common. 
Um, <laughs> That'd be the most depressing dinner party you've yeah. ever seen. <laughs> hey, Kate, remember when the sadness washed over you? I do, Charlotte. <laughs> I remember the sadness. Should we get wine? <laughs> Probably. How do you bolus for wine? I don't know. Fuck if I know. Yeah. <laughs> Want to jump off a bridge? Sure. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So will um, there be a soft place to land? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe right. Well, yeah, I mean, you 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 probably there's probably a trampoline. Do you still do you work out at this point, like just for personal fitness, or how do you how do you go backwards that far? Um. It's only recently that I've started to even incorporate like physical activity into my life again. Um, I definitely after, I mean, after 2016 as well. And after this past games do that, like full pendulum rebound of working out all day long to absolutely doing nothing Mm -hmm. (laughs) and refusing to set foot in a gym. And I don't think I'll ever set foot in a gym gym not a gymnastics gym i would love to go back and play around on a trampoline because i do love trampoline i love bouncing but will i go lift weights again probably not yeah um but i do like to like go out for walks maybe i'll jog for a little bit of it maybe i'll run a little bit Uh, i love bike riding i love the like lifestyle fitness like the ways that i can incorporate activity and movement Mm -hmm. into just my life instead of having to carve out hours of my day to work out if you if you haven't felt like this don't let me lead you there but Mm. do you ever feel like a pawn in someone else's game like you're at college right and i'm assuming they probably paid for a lot of it because you were you know an athlete for them do you ever stop and look back and think nobody cares about my education i'm just here because i can do trampoline and Mm -hmm. because they can take pictures of me and put on their social media and bring other kids in and go look bouncy girl she's gonna go to the olympics don't you want to get an English degree from us? Like, like that. And does that, did that, did that happen? Did you think about that? I, I felt like that in a slightly different way because I did go to college, but it had nothing to do with trampoline. There was no trampoline program in college. So I was going to school and doing trampoline for the national team completely as two separate things. So, you know, college was something that I chose to do outside of sport. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did, I do feel like a pawn or, I really felt like a soldier for gymnastics where I was doing the hardest job in the organization, but was told that I was replaceable and told that I wasn't important and that it's not about me. It's about what I can do. And, and yeah, it feels, I I do remember having that like specific light bulb moment. I could tell you exactly where I was standing when I was like, hang on, this is, really backwards this is really wrong like (laughs) did you ever watch the good place yeah i love that show you know when that moment where she's like oh my god this is the bad place yeah like i've i've had that moment of like oh my god this isn't right this is not how human beings should be treated athletes should be treated this is not how i want to be valued this is not how i want to my life to be built. I don't Mm. like feeling like this. I don't like feeling like I'm replaceable and not important and only as good as what my scores tell me I am. It's like somebody takes the, the, the culmination of your life's work and, and a a major part of your identity and they've built another thing that's based on you doing that. And you, Mm -hmm. you realize that in this moment while you're competing, you have all of these desires and focuses 
and the person maybe even coaching you doesn't really care about you. They care about coaching something that wins so that the person that pays them is happy and they keep their job. And it's almost, it becomes not about the sport anymore. It becomes about everybody sustaining each other's entity. And Mm -hmm. I've just, I've had those feelings. I've looked over at some of my son's coaches and I thought, he does not even know my kid. He just knows he catches that ball. I keep this job. That Mm -hmm. that's, that's how it feels sometimes. Um, Yeah. And 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 I think at, at a certain level, it's totally like that in gymnastics, of course. Um, But the reason I was able to survive 2021 was because my coach cared about me as a person before he cared about me as an athlete. That's excellent. He absolutely was my number one supporter of me as, as Charlotte as the person. Mm -hmm. The second I told him that I got this diagnosis, he didn't ask me about coming to the gym. He didn't ask me when I was coming back, what my plan was, what I wanted to do. He said, take all the time you need. I'm here if you need me. Okay. Like, that's good stuff. He's, he's my number one. <laughs> and also, I'm going to be honest with you. I had an ulterior motive for asking the question. I wasn't sure where you oh, were going to go me. with that. Because I've had this <laughs> other thought that I've wondered about. And you seem just mm-hmm. honest enough to answer this question. So <laughs> what's it feel like when suddenly a bunch of diabetes media outlets approach you because you're one person that got diabetes today, but you looked like you were going to the Olympics. So now suddenly you're in the middle of, I mean, you described it earlier, right? You're completely confused. You don't know what's going on. Your health is all over the place. You're worried about your life. Everything seems like it's gone. And then someone's like, hey, I, I just got the funniest text I'm going to tell you about in a second. Um, and, and, some, and, 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 and they're like, hey, we know who you are. You're wearing something that says USA on the front of it, and you got diabetes. We want to interview you. Now you're just a mm-hmm. pawn again, right? But yeah. now for a different situation. But you you did it. So, like, I'm not taking it. I, I would have done it, too. I'm just asking, like, are you aware while it's happening or no? I think looking back, I have a lot more clarity now that the dust has settled on this last year. Mm-hmm. Because, again, everything happened so fast. And there is one thing that not bothers me, but something that, that I am really aware of. And it's, I don't know how to really put this in words. It's like, I guess I feel like an imposter. I feel like I'm not really the person that should be, you know, the diabetes poster child for diabetics sport. Mm -hmm. Like I did have diabetes for the year before leading into the games. And I was diagnosed three months before the games but I didn't know what I was doing. Like I was just trying to survive. I was relying on all of the training that I had my whole life just to get through these three months and doing these interviews now and having this attention and being, and people being so excited and being so inspired by it. And I was then propelled forward by that support. But I also like, God, the people that are diagnosed at two years old, the people that are diagnosed at six, at seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, like you guys are, truly something else you guys are truly like i don't think i could have done that like somebody interview those people right yeah 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 so so earlier them a platform because they're the real superstars of this yeah so earlier i joked i was half joking and half not joking about not reaching out to you at first because people told me i don't like to be told what to do which is my own problem (laughs) right but the other part of it that i didn't mention was i don't like it when that happens for you Mm -hmm. 
I don't know you. I have no reason to feel protective of you. But when people are like, ask this girl, I was like, can some, you should just leave this girl alone. Like Mm -hmm. she, she just got diabetes. Like her whole life looks like it's falling apart and you're making her like stand up and smile and go, I have type one and I'm okay. And I'm like, what? I mean, I know it's inspirational for people, but you could be just as inspirational a year later. It doesn't Mm -hmm. need to be right now. So there's something about that clickbaity nature of content and I don't buy into it. Like if you go back and look at the, I mean, this podcast might have almost 700 episodes at this point. Wow. Um, and the way you finish things, I'd like for you to start at the beginning because I feel like I could get 700 good downloads out of you. But um, <laughs> but um, she's like, I'm not giving up now. He was terrible in season three. No, no, I wasn't. But, don't um, but, but I like just talking to regular people. Mm-hmm. They don't hide things. They're not practiced. They don't mm-hmm. think, oh, I can't say that or I shouldn't say this. Mm-hmm. They just tell their story. And, and I think just what you think, put them out front. I mean, some of the biggest names in this space, some of these people I really like, and I know a number of them, I, I don't want them on the podcast. They're just going to say the mm-hmm. same thing they say all the time when somebody asks them a question. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's not their fault. They're, uh, they're it's not- almost like they're like, they're so scared of saying something that will alienate anybody. And I get it. I have been there. I mean, I've been yeah. like, you know, the little Miss Perfect gymnast, like doing interviews and saying great things about everybody all the time. Like it's only like recently that I've really wanted to be a lot more honest because that's what connects with people. And selfishly, that's how people connect with me. And I need that connection. <laughs> Everyone needs it, Charlotte. It's the it's the obvious elephant in the room that everyone ignores. They would rather say, hey, today we're going to interview this person whose name you might have heard, who also has diabetes, instead of saying, I don't know, I could pull up a list of a thousand names for you. Instead of saying, look, this is Anne. Anne had some kids. Mm-hmm. One of them got sick. Here's what happened. Y- you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. because we're all Anne and we're all Charlotte. We're not all Olympians. And I- I- listen, I'll come out and say it. I've had people on this show before who were famous, and I try to ask them about their diabetes. They don't know the first thing about it, <laughs> like you know. And you're just, and then people listen to the show, and they're like, "Hey, I've been waiting for so long for this person," and they came on, and they were not valuable. And I'm like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. welcome to the life of someone who has a trainer." You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or or who's somebody who's a meal ticket for somebody and no one's going to let mm-hmm. their blood sugar get out of control because they know how to catch a ball or do a thing or yep. make money for other yep. people. And, yeah, it's just I, a different life. Yeah. And that might be really relatable for a very small demographic oh, of sure. people who are also in that in yeah. that circle. You know, you but know, for the majority, it's probably not. You know, I once had on Mark Andrews' mom. He's the tight end for the the Baltimore Ravens. It'd be Thank cool. you so much for telling me that. Yeah, no, it would be cool. <laughs> it would is. be cool if he was on, but it's way cooler yeah. to talk to his mom. Like she raised yeah, him with diabetes. Sure. You, you know, like for sure. it's it's just I'm not saying he wouldn't. I mean, maybe I don't know the guy. He'd probably come on here and be terrific and shut me right up. But but you know, like it's <laughs> I just want to he hear. I heard you talk smack about me. Hey, he's like, you, I heard you thought I wasn't going to be interesting. That's, I'm going to be interesting <laughs> yeah. now. So by the way, if Mark Andrews hears this, of course you can come on. That's not the point. The point is, is that. Is that real people's stories? Not that Mark Andrews isn't a real person or that you're not a real person. Mm-hmm. It's just that you're not that real people aren't practiced and they're mm-hmm. not worried about saying something. And as you and I were talking, I started feeling like this person, you, 
you're in the middle of a metamorphosis right now. Like you are really shifting, you know what I mean? And um, mm-hmm. it feels like you want to be whoever you think you're supposed to be and not the person you spent a lot of time being. Am I right about that? I I think if you had asked me six months ago, I'd be like, yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what is happening. I'd also probably be crying if you actually recognize that. <laughs> if you want to cry, Charlotte, that'd be terrific. It really helps the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Ratings go sky People high. People love it when you cry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go um, but no, I, I, I do agree. I think, I think I have gone through a lot in the last year. <laughs> I, I feel like I've gone a lot, gone through a lot in the last eight years. Mm-hmm. I am only recently finding peace in what I've been through. And I really feel like the common theme that has now woven through the last couple of months is peace is that I found that I can be where my feet are. And that I can be happy with that. And that I don't have to pretend that I'm doing okay. And I don't have to pretend that everything's great and easy and wonderful because that's the story that everybody wants to hear. Yeah. Like I get to be a little bit more honest. And this is this community is very receiving. I don't really feel like I have to perform on social media whatsoever. I do fully just like to be me on it. It's not a yeah. brand or anything like that. But <laughs> my therapist also said something. She was like, You were are kind of caught between paradoxes right now. Like your whole life is a little bit of a paradox because you are simultaneously so grateful to be out of sport, but I also really want to be back in it. Like there's a part of me that craves to be there again. And I'm, how is that possible? And I'm also simultaneously the happiest that I've ever been, but struggling with this really big thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's really confusing. I'm confused all the time. I'm always worried about performers, and if you're an art, if you're a sports person or an artist, you're some you're a performer. Like I have it mm-hmm. to some degree with this. Like, what happens when your thing goes away? Where do you get your jolt? Yeah. Where do you get your jolt from? Uh, the mm-hmm. the name that I always fall on recently is a uh, uh, former New York Met and Philadelphia Philly Lenny Dykstra, um, whose life just complete like prison, drugs, like mm. like tax something. Like I mean, a lot of lot of you like, and I always looked at him and I felt bad. Because I was like, that guy is just looking for that jolt that he felt when mm-hmm. he hit that baseball or when he ran a ball down in the corner and 60,000 people screamed. Like, where do you get that from yeah. every day? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So you've got this unnatural level of feedback. And then suddenly it's gone. And listen, I mean, I talk to a lot of people. I don't know one of them, really. But I can tell you that a lot of people are going to hear the conversation you and I are having. And if you suddenly told me I didn't have an outlet for my thoughts anymore, I don't know that I wouldn't feel like you feel right now. Mm -hmm. You know, like, because this is Mm -hmm. a thing I do that I enjoy. And Mm -hmm. if you just took it from me right away, it would be hard to, to trans, to, I I think the transition, I really do. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, as much as it is, as we all want to be human beings, no matter what, we are going to be a little bit of human doings. <laughs> like mm-hmm. who, what we do greatly influences who we are. That mm-hmm. is inescapable. There's no way to get around that. But I have recently found a balance and I don't want to be like preaching this, but the balance of finding things that you can do that are consistent, that won't be taken away from me. So mm-hmm. the things that truly make me happy it's really traveling. It's being in nature. It's connecting with people. Those are things that I'm always going to be able to do. Yeah. And 
whether or not it's, you know, trampling and, and the success and the daily wins or the daily losses that I get from that, that drives me forward. Like that, that all is translatable to something else, mm-hmm. but kind of, I guess I've stacked my identity with so many things now that if you take any one thing out, tower's not going to fall. That's excellent. I, I, um, I'm older than you by a lot. Um, and recently my wife and I are just trying to make sure that, you know, our retirement looks like it's coming together. And the mm-hmm. person who's helping us with that said, well, what do you want to do when you retire? And I joked my way through it and then later told my wife and told him, he's a, a friend. I said, that's the worst thing anybody's asked me in two years. I mm-hmm. said, because I just see myself as a tool. I see myself in a couple of ways. I see myself as a tool that makes money so that the people I love are okay. Mm-hmm. And I see myself as a tool who makes diabetes content so people with diabetes can be happier and healthier. Mm-hmm. If you take those things from me and tell me I'm retired, I honestly don't know what would make me happy. And yeah. and I'm really lucky because the the um the feeling of 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 calm that you're doing something valuable, I get out of this podcast. Like the idea mm-hmm. that I pay a bill, help people and enjoy what I'm doing, I think is magical. Like, I, yeah. I don't know how I got that lucky. And I also think while you're talking, how crazy is it that most people just want a little bit of that jolt and can't find it day to day. And then the people who get it get an unnatural amount of it. Right? Yeah. Like, like you, There's no middle ground. Yeah. Like, why couldn't, like, why can't Lenny Dykstra or you share your pie with a hundred other people so that people aren't mm-hmm. driving home a thousand miles an hour and screaming at each other out windows and yelling at people <laughs> online, just trying to find some excitement. You, you know what I mean? Yep. Like somewhere. Yep. And meanwhile, you've got more than anybody needs in the whole world. It, it's just, yeah, and I think it's funny that also that that's kind of the perception that people have of me. Mm-hmm. And it might just be because trampoline it's a very obscure sport that doesn't have like this massive fan base. It's not like it's basketball or even artistic gymnastics. Like I really don't feel like I've ever had this much attention or like, you know, a stadium of people clapping for me. What about like, approval my... coming from your parents? Were they proud <sighs> I, of you? I... Did you not want to let them down? Any of that stuff? To be honest, I really think that my head was down and I was working so hard that I wasn't really looking up. I mean, obviously their approval and their support meant so much to me. And I'll probably unpack that in the next couple of years mm-hmm. of like how much that meant to me. But I think it was important that I was proving to myself that I was good enough. And I think that's truly what my driver was. Cause if we're really going to get into it, I, myself, my biggest thing is that I've never been good enough. And that's really what's driven me forward through a lot of things is, oh, I will be good enough when I reach this goal, or I will be good enough when I do this or worthy, like whatever word you want to put in there that connects with you. It's, it's, it's always that sense of incompleteness. Um, and I just don't know that I ever received that from sport, even making an Olympic team. Mm -hmm. I don't feel any more complete than I did before making the team. And I don't feel any less complete, but, I feel like exactly the same person and the things that truly fill me up have nothing to do with sport anymore. (laughs) No. Are you having any trouble um, with those feelings? And then are you applying them to diabetes? Like, are you feeling competitive about your health in an unhealthy way Mm -hmm. or anything like that? I definitely was, especially while I was still training. It was, 
I'm going to be the perfect diabetic. I'm going to be the best diabetic you've ever seen because I have three months to figure this out and I need to was my excuse. But the truth was I was just terrified and I was, I was, I was just scared. I just wanted to be perfect with that management. And that's also something that's kind of unraveled in the last couple of months and kind of led to that meltdown a couple of weeks ago of, I can't be perfect. I'm too tired. I'm, I'm too tired dealing with this every single moment of every single day. And so I took my, my glucose monitor off and I just kind of said, screw it. Like, let's just relax for a week. I'm obviously going to still be safe and take care of myself to the best of my intuitive ability, Mm -hmm. but I can't, I can't do this constant perfectionist mentality of everything is needs to be perfect. Yeah. You need to find a way to put your head where mine is. Like I, (laughs) I want it to be good. And when it's not, I just move on. I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't, I used to torture myself when my daughter's blood sugar got out of hand. Like I Mm -hmm. really would torture myself about it. And I just mean like sit there and think like, oh, you messed this up Mm -hmm. or blah, blah. blah. And then one day I was like, I can't like, how is this sustainable? You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like I I have to stop doing this. I thought Mm -hmm. a little bit about when my son was little, before he went to play baseball, I would hug him. I was just, I've been a stay at home dad for a really long time. So Mm -hmm. I'd hug him. I'd tell him, I love you. None of this matters. Go have fun. Mm-hmm. and then send him out. And as he got older, that changed into, I love you. You're only playing baseball to get better at baseball. Today's outcome is not important. Go have fun. And mm-hmm. there was one time he was recruiting for college and we were in a car and we were about to get out of it. And I looked at him, I said, Hey man, it actually really matters today. Mm-hmm. Like, like go out there. Like it really matters. Cause I think this is, this is where decisions get made today. You know? And he was like, okay, I said, still have fun, but go for it. You know, just really Mm -hmm. go for it. And he did. Um, And I do think today he is, he is still who he is and it applies to sport the way it does. It also applies to other things in his life, but he's not completely connected to it. And Mm -hmm. and I, I, I want to hope that that is in some way from me saying this doesn't matter. Grand scheme of things. You're not, yep. a, you're not a baseball player. You're Cole, like go, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, and, and I don't know, like, cause you're going to have to disconnect from all of that. I mean, you're wired a certain way, obviously it is not going to be good. If you apply that to diabetes management over a lifetime, you're going yeah. <laughs> to be bad for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's the kind of thinking that leads to, I mean, eating disorders and, mm-hmm. and all kinds of stuff, which I'm not saying you're mm-hmm. near. I'm just saying that's not a path you want to go down, obviously. No, for sure. And and just to kind of like touch again on what you were saying to, to Cole of like when that moment came of after, you know, his lifetime of training and you said this moment does matter and he didn't choke in that moment and he was able to perform and he was able to do it because he had a lifetime of preparation that said, I am Cole, I am not baseball. And he just was able to go and have fun in the sport for a lifetime up to it. That's why he could perform in that moment. You know, when the pressure was on, he could draw on all of that experience. But if you put that pressure on a kid who's nine years old and you said, you need to win this game or you need to win this meet, it's going to freak out. I don't understand why people believe that that's the way to talk to anybody, let alone children. But (laughs) like now, do it now. We're all going to die. Well, you know, Right. Yeah, I think we're in trouble because right. yeah, you're you're panicking the hell out of me. I think I God, think I remember getting told before an Olympic qualifier. <laughs> and I think it was like in good 
part, but it was what you, cause it was just me competing at this meet. And if I didn't do well at this meet, there was no spot for the United States in the Olympic games. And, and it was like, you need to perform so that everybody else for the rest of their life can say that they competed in us Olympic trials. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Now okay. I'm in charge of everybody. Great. <laughs> okay. So just everybody's happiness. Yeah. <laughs> Is that all I'm in charge Seriously. of right now? Yeah, exactly. I, I, I'm in charge of everybody's rest of life. Yeah, great. <laughs> How old were you then, by the way? I was 19. Yeah, it's perfect timing. That's a great time yeah. to be put in charge of everybody's life. You're really <laughs> your finger on the pulse at that point. Uh, no, I think, but see, I think of everything that way. I, I, I mentioned recently on the podcast, if you like the way that I talk about diabetes and it helps you, it's really just the way I think about life translated mm-hmm. to diabetes, you know, and mm-hmm. And I agree so much with what you just said. Like when people, the way it, the way I think of it now is when people always say to me as my daughter's growing up, well, sure, you're good at it, but how are you going to explain it to her? And I would always mm. say, I'm not going to just explain it to her. She's going to live it. And through mm-hmm. me, I'm going to shoulder most of it. She's going to see it happen and she'll take from it what she needs. And one day she's just going to know. And to yeah. your point, one day my son's just going to be able to walk out in front of, I mean, I'm telling you. 300 college coaches on a field the Mm -hmm. size of like it was like massive and everyone's Mm -hmm. holding a clipboard and looking at you and it's baseball so it's one at a time your turn now go catch the ball you better do it better than the other kid don't mess up don't trip when you get the ball in your hand throw it to the right place if you look bad for a half a second you actually see people look down and write and you can see lines or you can see writing lines or writing on clipboards and you can't be thinking about it in that moment. And I think diabetes is the same way. I think at the moment you're thinking about it too much. Mm-hmm. And I swear to you, this is not a sales pitch. I don't listen. You and I are never going to see each other after this. I agree. I've had a lovely time talking to you, but uh, you know, but <laughs> if, shit, if shit goes sideways for you, Charlotte, what am I going to do? You know what I mean? But I could lay a list of episodes on you that I think would mm-hmm. make your management easier. Cool. I think Please it would put you where you want it to be. And I think it would, in a, in a month or so's time, you would start doing things without thinking about them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something a lot of people drive with, but you especially, because I imagine that you just land on your feet on that trampoline. You don't, I guess when you think about it, you're in trouble, right? Like you need to feel it. Exactly. Right? Yeah, totally. I think you need to feel diabetes. That's how mm-hmm. I, that's how I do it. And a mm-hmm. lot of people listen to this show do it same way. I, I, I think it would mm-hmm. work really well for you. I think I could maybe get two pages in that autobiography one day. One two whole I'm, pages. Yeah, well, I get one. A lot of real the, estate. I mean, listen, I'm going <laughs> to save your life and name the book. I, I deserve a little bit of a spot. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus, fair. you're getting That's really fair, grubby yeah. all of a sudden. It's just an extra page, Charlotte. <laughs> just tell the just tell the publisher, look, I told this guy I would do this in 2022. Listen, non-negotiable. I'm not going to charge you money for it. I just would like to see it happen. I wrote a book, Charlotte, and let me tell you something. It takes a lot of time. I I wish I didn't do it. (laughs) It's just it takes so much time. And then you have to, like, pump it and pump it to get people to buy it. Mm -hmm. And then they buy it, and then it's it's gone. It's like an Instagram post that gets thousands of of likes, and then a week later you look back at it, and it has only gotten one more in six weeks. You're like, why does the world still not know about my amazing Instagram post? The book did the same yeah. thing. It was like on fire and then it was gone. Well, did you, here's, here's my question for you. Did you write the book to write the book or did you write the book to publish the book? 
Well, that's interesting. I wrote the book. So I was offered a blurb in someone else's book. Mm-hmm. I've never told this story exactly, honestly, because I think it hurts somebody's feelings. That's okay. They probably won't hear it. You think? They're, yeah. They're lovely people, and I don't mean it this way. So um, <laughs> so I was asked to write a blurb. I wrote a blurb. I think it was about a thousand words. Their publisher called me one day and said, hey, do you have any ideas for books? And I said, uh, what? And she goes, your thousand words are probably the best thousand words in that book. Do you want to write mm-hmm. a book? And I was like, yeah, because... You know, doesn't want to write a book because I barely graduated from high school and I was like, seriously, me? Sure. Why not? And um, so we're talking and she wanted it to be about diabetes. And I said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I said, I, I'm not ready to talk to people about how to manage their diabetes and for it to be somewhere mm-hmm. forever static. I said, yeah. but I am a stay at home dad. I think I have great stories about that. I could write about that. And she's like, all right, you have a week to send me uh, an outline. So I wrote the mm-hmm. outline in like 10 minutes. And then I sat mm-hmm. on it for six days to make it look like I worked really hard on it. Of course. Thank you. Of course. And I sent it to them and they were like, done. We'll send you this much money now. And in six months, you send us the manuscript and we'll send you the other half. And I was like, cool. I, I remember exactly my house where I called my wife while she was at work. I was like, I'm going to write a book. It's going to get published. And she's like, can you write a book? I swear to God, this is my wife. So again, she's been nice to me like four times. Can you write a book? <laughs> she says. And I go, I don't know but I'm going to find out. I yeah, like, exactly. I said, the worst thing that happens is I give them back the advance and I don't write yeah. a book. I'm like, I'm going to try, you know? So I will tell you that it's cool to be published. Mm-hmm. I don't look down on people who are self-published, but when I see people self-publish things, there is a small part of me that goes, mm, somebody paid me to do it, but okay. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, fair. Absolutely right? fair. Uh, so I have a little of that. I am very, if I want to be honest with you, I'm incredibly competitive. Like, I love that this podcast helps really? people. Really? I couldn't tell. Oh, my God. I love that people <laughs> love this podcast, but I love also that it's, like, the most popular one. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Nobody wants to be average at what they do. It does make me it happy. No good. Only yeah. a little bit. Like, I don't run around, like, like I'm not, like, listen, you know, listen, unwell it, about it, it. Egos, Freud can fuck off. Egos okay. are a good thing. Egos are good. To an extent, mm-hmm. they if you can get your ego filled in a healthy way from a certain outlet, it allows you to not have an ego in other places. It allows you to be a humble father when you succeed at work. It allows you to be a failure of a writer or failure of a photographer if you can succeed at something else because you have the, yeah. the cushion to try because you said, well, I know I can succeed at something. It also helps me stay motivated. Mm-hmm. Like I record this week as an example, I recorded this podcast five times this week. So I, I've, mm. I've had probably five, six, I probably had seven and a half hours of conversations this week. And, That's a lot of talking. Yeah. And in that time, I'm also editing the show and putting it up and supporting it online. It's a full, like it's about a 75 an hour. A week. Uh, 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 yeah. Probably 75 hours a week. I, I put it yeah. in the podcast. And if it was just mundane for me, I know it would it would wane. But there's part of yeah. me that likes waking up in the morning and going, like, forget other, like, diabetes podcasts. Forget health podcasts. This this show is in the 96th percentile of all podcasts on Apple. Damn. Like, that, I, That's cool. If I ever get tired, I think about that. I sit right down, and I'm like, so, 
you're depressed and you have diabetes, huh? Let's talk about it. You know, like interesting. Yeah, I can, I can, I can do it because I also wait, listen. All that aside, I know how much it helps people, and it's amazing. You know what I mean? Like this, the yeah. best, the best thing I've ever done in yeah. my life. Like aside on my children and my family, like making yeah. this for people is really cool. Um, yeah, the scope's important because I'm sure other people make great content that I'm unaware of, but if no one's listening to it. Listen, yeah, exactly. You you can't be a fan of something that you've never heard of. Right. Someone's got to see you bouncing up and down on that trampoline. Or what's the point? You you know? Exactly. Then I'm, it's just, anyway. All right. Yeah. Wait, I have a question. I got one more question. Go ahead. Do you know your Enneagram number? Because I feel like I know your Enneagram number. My what number? Your Enneagram. Oh, God. Come I'm on. I'm 50 years old, Charlotte. Have you not just been impressed that I've kept up with this conversation and you're 26? <laughs> you want me to start knowing things that younger people understand? But, okay. Here's, okay. Right, here's your homework. I got the internet. Go take the Enneagram test. It's not a quick thing. You can't do it right now. All right. Well, I got to find it or I'm never going to remember it. I My brain is not like... It's, it's like a... Sieve. <laughs> then, okay. Okay. Once you do it, We'll circle back for a part two, and we're gonna we're gonna dive into your enneagram. Hold on a second, the enneagram institute. Yeah, you can do it. Take on, the reading. You can take the test in a lot of different places. So it's called a reading test. Rizzo Hudson enneagram. Take type. it on Truity. In Truity. Yeah. Jesus, very specific. What are we married? Right, you're doing <laughs> it wrong. Go to Truity, you idiot. Uh, understand who you really are. Oh God, this yeah. seems very scary. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna love it it's gonna be great all right you say great yep Charlotte. And i have a hunch go ahead i have a hunch i i, I should i spill it or should I, i'm gonna hold i don't want to no. influence your results well, you can't influence my results there's no way i'll remember i record like five <laughs> of these a week i just i'm getting I'm, I, getting I'm getting strong two with a one wing here two with a one wing <laughs> I won't remember that, so I'll just write it down. Okay. Write it down. We'll circle back. I had a person on Tuesday who recorded a beautiful After Dark episode with me about her life struggles. Young mom. uh, She has type 1. Her son's cancer at a young age. Terrible story. One of my favorite episodes. And I asked her to come back on. And she comes on. We're talking for six minutes before I go, oh, I know who you are. (laughs) 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 I am the worst. I don't... I know people, it's very, it's very popular to say you don't prep for your content, mm-hmm. right? Because it makes you seem like all like, I honestly, all relatable like, I swear cool. to God, when you started talking, I was like, gymnastics, I don't know, it'll, it'll come out, you know, and um, <laughs> I really, um, I don't, I don't know, I don't prep for this at all. <laughs> This is so funny. This is that's why today was so fun. It was so refreshing. I'm glad. Best but best interview you've done since you have diabetes. Yeah. Oh, all right. How about in don't this... ask anybody else that's interviewed me though. No. Well, those people obviously did the best for you. They obviously did the yeah, best. Yeah, this is garbage. The There's no reason to be upset. It was not fun at all. I'm just very good at this. It's not their fault. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's all. No drugs, by the way. No enhancement here. Um, mm. what's the pressure like for that? In for uh, doing drugs, yeah, like for for enhancing drugs in the Olympics. I know uh, you're tested, but I mean, people got to get away with it, right? Uh, I feel like in other sports, it's like the pressure is way bigger, like cycling and weightlifting. When it's like, mm-hmm. it would make a difference. 
but in trampoline it really wouldn't make a difference like okay. i guess maybe you could be a little bit stronger but rehab faster still not an issue though i mean i i mean i guess it's just never crossed my mind but i don't know what could make you flip better or like be better in the air you so know is the flipping all like muscle memory practice and then letting go yeah yeah so yeah, my can, best routines that I've competed, I'll finish and I'll be like, I don't remember any of that. Yeah. I, was it good? I wasn't there for it. <laughs> yeah. My, you know, it's so funny you say that because I'll go downstairs and my wife will be like, how was it? I'll be like, great. She goes, what are you talking about? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, how do you know it's good? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, exactly. yeah, I'm like, she's like, how do you know it's good? I'm like, I don't know. I feel like it went well. And there are times yeah. I walk downstairs and I'm like, uh, I don't know if I did very well today or I was tired or something. Yeah. And then I'll listen yeah. back or I'll get a note. People are like, I love that episode. And I'm like, oh, so it doesn't always have to be the way I want it to be. It, you know, yeah. other people can find it differently. Charlotte, you and I get along very well. This was delightful. This is, oh, I say delightful all the time that you said it and I didn't. The people listening now are going to be Do like. you feel stolen? No, it's Mecca. People are people are like, oh my God, Scott made her feel delightful without telling her. Like, I'm telling you right now, there are people just fanning themselves everywhere. They're like, it happened. Um, do, do you, do you want to hear about the, do you want me to say something? Do you want me to tell you about the text that I said, oh my God, I'll tell you about this. Yes, funny. I do. Okay. I do. I do. So someone's going to judge my daughter over this, but just let it go. Um, my daughter and I are in the car the other day and she's, you know, she's getting ready to graduate from high school. And she's like, you know, we had such a calm year at school. She's like, there haven't been any big fights. There's no teen pregnancies. Like it's just been such a boring year. Mm -hmm. I got a text while you and I were talking that says my wish came true. We got a teen pregnancy in school. <laughs> Oh, this is like the equivalent of like reality TV in our society. Yeah, she like has my personality, but she's in like a smaller female person who's younger. So. See, that's funny though. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. She I, should have a podcast. I she trust me. She was on one episode of this, and I get notes pretty much daily. Can Arden come back on the podcast soon? Because <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she's like, she's like, I don't care about all this. Like pe people, people had sent questions for her, and she's like, I mm -hmm. don't, I don't want to. No, I I don't like. She's like, this yeah. is your thing. I don't because I told her no. one day. I was yeah. like, listen. I was like, this podcast is really popular. I was like, you sure you don't want to come on it once in a while? Maybe take it over when I get older. And she's like, no. I was like, all right, fine. I felt Atta like girl. I, yeah, I felt like I, I felt like I was a plumber, and I said to my son, like, I could teach you how to be a plumber. You can take over the family business. Yeah, and he was like, nah, he goes, no, no, thanks. Dad, I want to go to college. <laughs> I'm like, but we got trucks and a shop and everything. Who am I going to give it to? You know. <laughs> anyway. Um, you were really terrific and I would say delightful, but you beat me to but it. But I stole it. Hey, do you know, um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It looks like you and I said Fuck seven. Well now eight times, but, um, <laughs> that's okay. I have a clean show. So I just edit it out. There'll be like this little blip. Little um, I, I, I don't want to lose the show. Believe it or not, I, I can't run the show in India if I curse on it and a couple of other places. Really? Yeah, and it's popular. What, how much of an international audience? Do you get information on your demographics? Do they give you that? Do you want to do this right now? Do you think people care? Like, we can stop recording. I, but I can tell you. They could they could duck out whenever yeah, they want. Yeah, I'll tell you we what. We can nerd out for a second. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna, all I'm going to do is thank the sponsors at the end, guys. So... I mean, hang oh, yeah. out, stick hang around for that. that part. Very important. I really do need the sponsors. I, you're not getting this podcast without the sponsors, unless you all <laughs> want to start paying for the show. And I'm pretty sure no one wants that. So just, 
just you know get a gvoke hypo pen or whatever today's thing just just yeah 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 um do you can you tell when people do like the fast forward 15 seconds through the sponsored more people yes i mean some people do jump through the ads but Uh i try very hard to make the ads something you want to listen to ah okay so and and sometimes i do that by recording them very late at night so that i'm i'm a little (laughs) like loopy So that you're like actual like excellent content yeah. in the ads. Yeah, smart. Like, yeah so the content so that the ads feel like content. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, I can't give away I mean, some of these people are gonna end up making a better podcast if I keep giving away all my secrets. Um I can, <laughs> all right, here's the top like all right, here's the top countries. US okay. is first, then mm-hmm. Canada. The show is huge in Australia, United Kingdom, Ireland, Germany, Sweden, the United Arab Emirates, New Zealand, and Saudi Arabia. That's, UAE. What? How? What percentage of your people are from Arab Emirates? It's a small. Do you get that? It's a small. Per, it's. I don't have it as a percentage. It's a smaller number. They're on the list. Though. Yeah, and I'm only looking at. That's cool. Yeah, I'm only looking at the last month. Uh, but from there, Israel, South Africa, France, Switzerland, Norway, Japan, Hong Kong, India, the Netherlands, Spain, Kuwait, Puerto Rico, Denmark, Egypt, Ukraine, Bahamas, Mexico. Singapore, Thailand, Panama, Finland, Cayman Islands. I'm huge in the Cayman Islands. I'm not kidding. Qatar, Taiwan, <laughs> Slovakia, Chile, China, Italy, Romania, Belgium. These are all places oh people have listened in the last 30 days. Virgin Islands. Wow, there's a place I don't know. Hold on. We'll come back to that. Poland, Austria, Ecuador. No, say it. You have to say it. Just Iceland, try it. Just Slovenia, try it. We can this part out. If Bahrain, you're Philippines, Portugal. Are you ready? Yeah. Libby. Libyan, Libyan, Arab, Jamaharia. Okay, no, also have never heard of that. No, I. Uh, I was an international studies major. I'm not sure that place exists. Hold on. According Let's... to my knowledge. Oh wait a minute. I'm googling. Yeah, that's well, it's a, good a place. It's a back place... to earlier in the conversation. We can do that now. Oh yeah, yeah. The internet's right here. It's in Libya. I guess history of Libya. Is it like an independent territory inside of Libya? The Libyan Arab Jama The Libby all right, hold on. Libyan Arab Jamaharia is a country in northern Africa that is slightly larger than the state of Alaska. It shares borders with uh Tanzania, Algeria, Niger. It's a place. And people do they have a seat at the UN? Is it like a? I've literally never heard of this country. All right, let's see. United Nations. This is what you want to know about. Do they have a seat at the UN? Yeah, I think Uh, I think that people are going to agree with me. This is curious stuff. All right, hold on. Uh, I got a UN thing here from 2016. Libya political deal not open for renegotiation. Libyan Arab, I don't know, the recent political accord paving the way for unity government in Libya is not open. It sounds like it's a split off thing around Libya, best I can guess. Huh. Um, you, I just know that the rest of my day is going to be researching this. Well, I hope you do. Oh, oh, here we go. Dominican Republic, Malaysia, Pakistan, Brazil, Czech Republic, Hungary, Russian Federation, Nepal, Malta. Nigeria, these are all places where people have listened with um, reasonable frequency in the last 30 That's days. really cool. Yeah, it's crazy, right? So everybody who has diabetes who speaks English at some point yeah. or another finds out about the podcast. And it's because it's really of cool. the pro tip series, which I will tell you about as soon as we hang up here. Okay. okay? Yeah, I need that. I all need right. that. 
I can't believe you made me do that because it seems like I'm bragging. And I was. I just, I, listen, I allowed you to do that. I know you wanted to. Oh my God. Are you kidding? If it was up to me, the, the whole podcast would just be about that. And then I'd be like, oh, and here's Bouncy Girl too. <laughs> you should end the podcast with, I would just like to let, thank my listeners in and then name every single country. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be too boring. Um, Charlotte, <laughs> let, let's say your name, your, your name really quick, three times fast and see if we get lost. Ready? Char- I have a lifetime of experience. Do everything it. my whole name. Do it. Charlotte Dre, Charlotte Dre, Charlotte Dre. It just falls apart. They're not even letters and sounds anymore. It falls apart. <laughs> it's, it's like saying a, word over and over. It's not a real name. That's all. That's fair. All right. It's, in fact, it's it's quite a real name. And I like it. I do too. Is there anything we didn't talk about that we should have? Um, I don't know. I can't remember what we talked about. Excellent. Perfect way to end. <laughs> Hold on one second. A huge thanks to Omnipod for, uh, you know, being sponsors. Omnipod.com forward slash juice box. Find out if you're eligible for the free 30-day supply of the Omnipod Dash or get more information about it or learn about the Omnipod 5. You can do it all right there at my link. Speaking of my links, what about Dexcom.com forward slash juice box? Are you eligible for a free 10-day trial of the Dexcom G6? Yeah, might be. Go check it out. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. U.S. residents who have type 1 or are the caregivers of type 1s, please go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box and fill out the survey. When you support the sponsors, you are supporting the show. I am the show. There's really, there's just, it's just me. So help. Click the links, okay? Thanks. Oh, you know who else I want to thank? Miss Charlotte Drury. Wasn't she delightful? Really, really really good on the podcast today. I thought she was incredibly honest, really forthcoming, wonderfully relaxed, not guarded. I swear to you, when this was over, she and I talked for another half an hour. I met her partner. We, I just really, I really vibed with her, thought she was terrific. I even joked with her. I said, I'm going to start up another podcast and just make you my co-host. I don't know what that podcast would be about, but I think if I was doing it with her, I'd have a really good time. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode, too. I loved bringing it to you. I will be back very soon with another episode of the Juice Box Podcast. Don't forget, subscribe and follow in your podcast players. Tell friends about the podcast. Share links with them. Do your best to grow the podcast. You are my emissaries in the world. Go forth and emissary. <laughs>